This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Most of the food that we buy in the Chicago area comes from states and countries that are hundreds or even thousands of miles away. And right now, extreme weather is making food production harder in many of those places. But there is a better way. I'm talking about homegrown food community gardens, small city farms, and even large-scale urban agriculture. There's plenty of it in Chicago already, but what would it take for local produce to be king? For fresh fruits and vegetables grown in the city to become go-tos for every shopper in every neighborhood. Well, here to discuss that is Sean Ruane, co-founder of Just Roots Farm in Bronzeville. Hey, Sean. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. And Karen Weigert, Reset Sustainability Contributor and Director of Loyola University Chicago's Baumart Center for Social Enterprise and Responsibility. Welcome back, Karen. Thanks for having me. First of all, uh, why is so much of the produce that we buy not from Chicago and not even from nearby? Yeah, it's true, it's not. And when you when you go to the store, the store is here, but it's not as though they're hiding the produce because mm-hmm. it's not actually grown here. And uh, you know, it's interesting because Illinois, it is an agricultural state. And actually, when you look at the USDA's ranking of agricultural producing states, Illinois ranks number five. So it's California, Iowa, Nebraska, Texas, and then Illinois. But if you look specifically what Illinois is producing, it's soybeans and corn are the top two. Um, so if you're in Chicago and you're looking for produce, the produce probably isn't grown even in the state. Um, if you're lucky, you might have a little bit from Chicago, but we're part of a global food system, so it's coming from other states, or particularly if that's the fruits and vegetables story, it's probably global. Increasingly, we're seeing that. So the food's coming from everywhere, even though we're finding it in our local store. Yeah. Well, many of these places, they're, they're struggling to grow because of extreme weather from climate change. Can you just explain that for us a bit more and help us understand why it's a concern? So the weather patterns and the changes there are absolutely having impacts as we think about agriculture. So if we think about what that means, it's a higher temperatures, but it's also you know, droughts. It's it's storms that lead to flooding. So to think about some of those states that are big ag producers, you know, California, the largest, in the last couple of years from drought, they've had billions of dollars of losses in agriculture. Um, and then if you look at Nebraska, you know, closer to us, they lost hundreds of millions of dollars a couple of years ago in cattle, and it was from flooding and storms. So we're seeing both of those things um, impacting. So the changes in the weather from heat, but also from storms. And then there's the related effects of how does that impact pollination and some of the things that are required to keep healthy, biodiverse ecosystems and plants growing. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing it already impacting yields. Sean, let's bring you in here. Three quarters of Illinois is farmland, but it's mostly corn and soy. So how are city farms different? Yeah, I mean, city farms are are different in a lot of ways. I think um, the work that a lot of city farmers are doing are very much focused um, on a hyper-local level. So they're trying to serve their direct neighborhood, the residents within the communities, and they're trying to make sure that they're growing things that are culturally relevant to those communities. you know, it's like you said, from a supply chain standpoint, um, we kind of expect to have everything in season at all times of the year. And the reality is that if you're trying to support local growers, um, that's just not possible. So we're, you know, as a rent farmers, we're trying to reconnect people back to what it means to to purchase seasonal produce and, and to support local food producers. Mm-hmm. Uh, paint the picture for us. How do even the biggest urban farms in Chicago compare in size to, say, an industrial farm downstate? Yeah, I mean, definitely a lot smaller, right? You, uh, 
you know, you're talking about the average farm probably being hundreds or thousands of thousands of acres. And for a large urban farm in the city of Chicago, you're talking about a couple acres at most. Um, your average urban farm in the city is under an acre, maybe somewhere between a quarter to three quarters of an acre. Um, so for us, the name of the game is really uh, doing things the right way, growing things in an environmentally responsible, sustainable way, but also kind of maximizing use of the space and so growing things in creative ways, growing a lot of vertical things or, you know, horizontally or just utilizing the space as best as we can to try to both maximize yields, but also make sure that we're doing it in a sustainable way. What is it that excites you, Sean, about being able to grow food here in the city? And why do you want more food to be grown here? There are a lot of things that excite me about it. I think uh, the first thing that comes to mind when I hear that question is just the folks who are doing this work in the city are, are, it's not just about growing food and, you know, producing as much as we can. It's about doing it with and for our community um, and having the work really be rooted and, and grounded in community, but also utilizing urban agriculture as a way to drive kind of broader positive social change in our community. So yeah. creating jobs, right. Uh, creating more biodiversity systems and um, providing educational opportunities and resources for folks, you know, healthy nutrition. There's so many different ways that urban agriculture benefits our, our communities. And so that's what really excites me about it. Yeah. I want to learn more about your farm. I hear you grow 43 different kinds of fruits and vegetables and, and herbs. So talk to us about what you're growing, because I do think that some people might not realize that all of that can be grown here. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, we grow um, 43 different crops, and that doesn't even count, you know, let's say tomatoes counts as one of those crops. We might be growing six or seven different varieties of that, of a tomato in a given year, and we do that with a lot of different things. So, you know, depending on the season, in the spring and the fall, uh, with Chicago weather, you're growing a lot of leafy greens, a lot of root vegetables, things that can kind of handle the colder weather. And then in the summer, you're able to grow more fruits and, and fruiting crops, things like watermelon and uh, eggplant, tomatoes, peppers, things like that. Um, and so we definitely get impacted, like you were mentioning earlier, earlier, by the weather, and we have to plan around that. But you're still able to grow a tremendous amount of variety here in the city um, and even on a, you know, on a small plot of land. And we know that um, some black and brown neighborhoods in Chicago, they have higher levels of food insecurity than, say, a whiter, wealthier neighborhood that's on the north side. Mm-hmm. How are the local farms and gardens in Inglewood working to close that gap? Yeah, so we're, you know, we're not based in Inglewood, but there are a, a tremendous amount of organizations, uh, Grow Greater Inglewood, um, Urban Growers Collective, uh, Growing Home, that are just doing incredible work in that community. And um, I mean, you know, trying to create greater access to healthy, fresh foods, but also thinking about job creation um, and working together to kind of just build that community from the ground up and do it in a way where it's really driven by the community. So I, I definitely can't speak to the details of that just because that's not where our work is rooted, but it's inspiring yeah. for us being on the South side to see the work that all those organizations are, are doing in Inglewood. For sure. Speaking of inspiration, Karen, what excites you about all of this? It's it's a remarkable opportunity to actually live up to the motto of this city. So our city officially is called Chicago. We our motto is city in a garden, 
Um, and so we've got this long heritage of growing. And typically it was gardens. It was the victory gardens. It was people growing in their yards. But now we're seeing this growth and this opportunity to have not just food be produced locally, and that's really the anchor here, but this connection of anyone who lives in the city being able to actually see what food looks like when it grows. Mm-hmm. I've had amazing conversations with folks who you know, might have grown up in the city and they didn't actually know what a tomato plant looked like. Um, they didn't actually get a chance to see lettuce being grown. And so we have this opportunity to bring our motto actually to life in the city and to do it in a way that is not just creating that food, it's creating community connections, it's reconnecting all of us back with nature and with the places in which we live. But it's also particularly in neighborhoods that are food insecure, doing it in a way that is actually solving a challenge at a very specific time. And that food production part is the anchor and the actual nutrition and the culturally appropriate choices come back to create opportunities in our city that we just didn't have otherwise. Well, you know, Karen, we, we know Chicago can't produce all the food that we need, right? We obviously can't grow bananas here, for instance. So how realistic is it to try and meet our food needs with the food grown here? It's realistic in combination with other sources. And I say that because even if you if you think about food, if you think about energy, uh, we're a dense population center. And so we're going to have to draw in uh, but we can complement here and we can really meet some of our specific local needs by changing a little bit around the edges of how we produce and where we produce, but even for whom we produce and who gets to do the producing. So it, we can shift the what, what we eat a bit. Um, it's actually interesting if you think about you know, climate and emissions. There are some emissions tied to tra- food that travels, particularly food that's traveling globally. And if you think about uh, one of the pieces that we're importing a lot of, it's actually you know, vegetables. Um, as well as some fruit. Mm-hmm. So those are both heavily imported. So if we can grow them locally, not only are we creating all these local benefits, the the food, the economic opportunity, we can actually take an edge off of some of carbon emissions. So people are motivated by all of those things. So absolutely, we can we can move the needle around the edges, and we've seen real growth in yeah. the urban ag and the local growing community here over the last decade. Sean, I know it's pretty hard to track, but do we have a sense of how many farms there are across the city? Yeah, and I'd say there's probably, you know, it, it's we don't have exact numbers on that, but in terms of kind of larger urban farm spaces, you're, you're looking around 100, maybe 75 to 100. Um, and then in terms of, you know, kind of a broader category of urban farms, community gardens, green spaces that are producing food, you're, you're talking to you're talking about close to a thousand. Um, the Chicago Urban Agriculture mapping project has currently 890 sites listed mm-hmm. um but i think i think there's a lot more than that that, are, that aren't listed there so um yeah. we often hear the response from from people like oh we didn't know spaces like this exist and Amen. you know we often say back to them you'll start noticing them everywhere now because they're in they're in every community this is reset i'm sasha ann simons if you're just tuning in we're talking about efforts to grow more food in chicago so that we don't have to ship food in from faraway places. Now, in some of those faraway places, like parts of California, for instance, climate change is actually making it harder to grow food. Our guests are Reset Sustainability contributor Karen Weigert and Sean Ruane of Just Foods Farm in Bronzeville. Uh, Karen, when you were the city's chief sustainability officer uh, Mm -hmm. under Mayor Emanuel, Chicago actually adopted new policies around urban agriculture. Remind us what happened then and what we've seen since. Absolutely. That was actually the first time that urban ag was really 
codified. And what it really was was a zoning change to acknowledge and support then the growth in urban urban ag and really clarifying what was an urban farm and what was community gardening. But it was really the first time within the code. So it was a zoning amendment. Uh, but what that really does is it allows for more standardization and more clarity and a, a, a real recognition that this is a critical part of how land is used throughout the city. And it happened with a lot of input from a lot of folks. So there was already work happening in the city, and that growth has only continued and grown since then. And you see it not just in the you know the numbers of places that are that are food producing at official farms, yeah. um, community gardens. But you also see it just in this broader community, this vibrant community of people involved in urban ag and the growth of organizations like Chicago Food Policy Action Council, um, advocates for urban agriculture that have actually grown during this time. They existed before the ordinance, but have actually expanded tremendously. And you see, you know, as we were talking about, farms in every community, growing food in every community. So it's something that's happening in Chicago. I'm a bias. Of course, I think what's happening here is tremendous, but yeah. I also recognize, you know, nationally there's a lot of interest and globally there's interest. The vast majority of people on earth at this point now live in cities. And so solving this is something we have to do everywhere. And Chicago's really been moving quickly to do that here. Sean, you went through the apprenticeship program at Windy City Harvest. Can you talk about that, the the incubator program? Yeah, so I graduated from the Windy City Harvest apprenticeship program um, about six years ago, and it was a uh, a great experience as somebody who was looking to really develop some uh, robust professional skills in urban agriculture and be able to apply that. And so it's about a year-long program. And then once you graduate, you have the opportunity to um, participate in the incubator program, which allows up-and-coming farmers to kind of establish their organizations or their businesses um, with the hopes of eventually transitioning off that land onto more of a full-time farm setup. So that that program was amazing for us because it gave us the opportunity for a few years to really, you know, get a home on our, our agricultural practices, establish our market channels, and to really solidify ourselves um, in Bronzeville. And then, you know, obviously allowing us to be able to transition to a, a more permanent space in Bronzeville. What barriers would you say still exist to growing more of our food here in Chicago? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's definitely been a lot of growth and it's become easier and more accessible in a lot of ways over the last decade. But land and water access is still a, a pretty significant challenge for a lot of growers who are trying to get established. Um, and those are obviously very foundational to, to any operation. And then from there, right, just having the, the startup capital and the infrastructure, whether you're talking about refrigeration or delivery vehicles um, or other infrastructure, just to be able to run a fresh food, local food operation, um, that can be all of that kind of combined can be really challenging. So it's great that there are, you know, apprenticeship and incubator programs and a lot of training programs out there within the city that, that are trying to kind of help catalyze that for, for urban farmers. We know that um, there are also a lot of vacant lots throughout the city, right? But you, you can't just start growing on any lot. Is that right, Sean? Yeah. Um, What's preventing that? At least not legally. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, uh, I think, you know, first and foremost, with any urban farm operation that's community-based, you want to make sure that that is something that's supported by the community and really for the community. And so I think, you know, making sure that 
organizations are, are doing that work up front to know that this is something that's wanted and needed. But then from a, you know, from a logistical standpoint, um, you know, there's a lot of vacant land that can, it can be just a really burdensome process, especially if you're talking about city land to kind of get access to it and to be able to kind of do the site improvements that are needed. And it can be really capital intensive, mm-hmm. um, which a lot of up and coming, you know, starting organizations might not have all that funding. Yeah. So it can definitely be really overwhelming. That's why for us, you know, we, we partner with local community organizations and um, churches that already have access to land. And that kind of helps to streamline that process for us. I see. Um, Take which it, has just, yeah, made it more accessible. Take a few seconds here and talk about water access, because that's hugely important and a big problem here, right? Yeah, I think it's definitely improved over the last few years, um, largely due to a lot of the great work that's being done by organizations like Advocates for Urban Agriculture and uh, Chicago Food Policy Action Council, Neighbor, Neighbor Space, and others. But um, the reality is that a lot of sites don't have a permanent water line um, that they have access to. Mm-hmm. And so um, they're kind of forced into a situation where they need kind of temporary annual access to water. And for most sites, that's through the hydrant, um, the local hydrant that might be near them. And um, a couple of years ago, the city instituted some changes to their hydrant permit policy that kind of just made it more challenging to get access to that. Yeah. And so it left a lot of growers, you know, carrying buckets of water, like from down the street mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever it might have been. And um, There are cities out there that that have kind of more supportive policies that make it easier for for established urban farms to to uh, have regular access to water. And I think the city is getting there, but there's still some work to be done. Yeah, we're hearing more and more, especially on this program, as we continue to talk about this, about the, the challenges of that, for sure. So leave us with this, Sean, just a couple seconds left. Your overall vision, is it a farm on every block? What do you say? Well, I think like Karen said, you know, I, I don't think that anybody that's doing this work thinks that we are going to be able to feed the entire city just through urban agriculture. But I do think that um, we can make a significant dent in that and really continue to try to localize our food systems and make them more resilient and sustainable. And I think kind of like I was speaking to earlier, it's, it's about food access, right? It's about food sovereignty, but it's about so much more than that. I think our ultimate vision is urban agriculture is a, is a vehicle Mm -hmm. for, for greater community change and for economic opportunity uh, workforce development, for education, for environmental sustainability. And yeah. growing food is a way to bring people together and to do all that work in a really meaningful and powerful way. We'll leave it there. That's Sean Ruane, co-founder of Just Roots Farm in Bronzeville, and Karen Weigert, Reset Sustainability contributor. Thank you both.